Yeah, so we are in a month-long series on revival, and this is the final week. So we started the series by talking about repentance, like that big scary word, right? What does repentance mean? It just simply means you're going one direction, God says, no, that's the wrong thing, and then you turn and go the opposite direction, just changing the way that you think, think which changes the way that you act. Um, if we want to experience personal revival, if, you want, if we want to experience revival as a church, then we have to be regularly repenting of, of the things that, that keep us from the Lord. Uh, and then the next week we talked about worship and how the, the God that we worship is infinitely worthy of every, every aspect of our affection, of our emotion, of our passion, of our mind. The God that we worship is not just some God that lives in a book, but he is the infinitely powerful being, creator of the universe, who not only created us, but has pursued relationship with us. And so out of that, we should be passionate worshipers. Last week we talked about prayer and how revivals begin with prayer. Like, like any major revival in the history of the world has begun with a united movement of prayer by God's people. And so if we want to experience personal revival, if we want to experience revival together, we have to be devoted to earnestly praying. And so uh, there's a lot of ways that I could have taken this last sermon, because if you look at all those things, like all of those are good options. Um, but as I prayed through it, I felt like the Lord wanted us to press into spiritual warfare. Uh, you see, the last point was um, engaging actively in the battle against the strongholds of the enemy. Now, spiritual warfare kind of sounds like this, this scary thing. Like, I'm sure we think of, like, the, the exorcism and the power of Christ compels you and, and all that kind of stuff. But uh, spiritual warfare is just actively fighting against demonic influence. And when we think of that, we might think of those movies, right? We might think of, uh, I don't know, Constantine or whatever weird movies you've seen. But that is not exactly what the Bible has to say about spiritual warfare. Uh, and so we're going to look today at what it says about it. Um, I mean, do you realize that there are actual angels and demons? Like the Bible clearly states that it's not just forces of good and forces of evil. Like in our conscience, we don't just have these, uh, a, a good side of us and a bad side of us that's like going against each other. But there are actual beings called angels. There are actual beings called demons and they are warring against each other. I mean, it, it makes me think of, like, the, the misconceptions we have are, are huge. Um, and just think of any movie you've seen. I, I thought of The Emperor's New Groove as I was thinking about this. And you think of Kronk. Let me see my Kronk. I love Kronk. He's this. Oh, yeah. I can feel it. Kronk had his, his little demon and his little angel side of him. And it was, it was symbolic of, like, okay, his conscience was pulling him one way or the other. Guys, that, that is not what the Bible tells us about spiritual warfare. Um, I mean, how many guys have been doing something? You've been going one way, and then just out of the blue, like, you, you get this, this crazy thought that, that is just weird and not good, or you get this, this crazy feeling, like you're, you're having a fine day, but then all of a sudden you just feel angry, or you just feel depressed or anxious, it could just be that it's hormones, right? It could just be uh, maybe you had some bad pizza that morning and you got some indigestion. Or it could be some spiritual influence. The Bible very clearly tells us uh, that there is a, a cosmic battle going on. That there are unseen forces 
that are battling against each other. There's angels and there's demons. And there's two ways that people usually go with spiritual warfare. One, they, they swing to one side or the other of the pendulum. One side, they say, I'm going to ignore completely the spiritual war. I'm going to ignore the fact that there's, there's angels, there's demons. I'm going to ignore anything that I can't physically see with my eyes. I'm going to stick my head in the sand like an ostrich and just pretend like it's not there. The other side of things is I'm going to focus only on demons and angels, and that's what my life is going to be about, and I'm going to think there's a demon behind every bush at every corner. Both of those are equally unhealthy and dangerous. We don't want to be on either side of, of the, the pendulum. We want to be right in the middle, where we recognize that the battle is real, but that we focus on Christ. We focus on God more than we focus on the, the, the demons, the angels around us. The Bible is very clear that there's an unseen spiritual war. Um, recognize that just because a thought blows through your mind, it doesn't necessarily mean that that is you. Have you guys ever thought about that? Just because a thought comes to your mind doesn't mean that it's necessarily you. So you have a thought that blows through your mind and, and you, you hear this very clearly or you get this feeling of, I am worthless. I, I, I am worth nothing. Okay, well, is that you? Is that God or is that a demon? Because the Bible clearly says that it could be one of those options. And so if you get a thought that says, I'm worthless, I'm never going to overcome this sin. I'm, I'm, I, I should never forgive that person. Like, if you get that kind of thought, that's probably a demon, right? God, God would not be telling you that you're worthless, right? You, you don't want to feel that you're worthless. And so if, if you're getting that kind of thought, recognize it, it's probably a demon. If you're getting a thought that, that says, and you're, you're in this conflict with this person, you should probably forgive them. That's probably not a demon, Right? Demons don't want us forgiving people. And if you're anything like me, it's probably not you, because I don't like forgiving people. It's much easier to hold on to bitterness and grudges. And so that's probably God. Probably God convicting me and saying, you should forgive them. Now, if you get a thought that is like, I just want a Hot Pocket, maybe that's you. That's probably you. God would not want that for you. Okay? God wants things that are good for you, not Hot Pockets. It, it, okay, it could be you, or it might be a demon wanting to give you diarrhea. I don't know. But if you're, if you're getting that thought, it's a hot pocket, like, okay, that's probably you. So you got to be, like, discerning with the thoughts that come into your mind. You have to test every thought that comes into your mind according to the Word of God. The Bible is very clear that there's the spiritual battle around us. Listen to these verses. It says, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And then you think about all of the stories of, of Jesus going, the, the disciples, the apostles going to people that are possessed by demons. Like Jesus goes to this, uh, this person in the graveyard and um, casts the demons out of them. Jesus goes to the town and there's this guy with demons that he sends the demons out and they go into these pigs and kill the pigs like these are not metaphorical ideas of spiritual like um, forces of evil. No, these are actual demons that he's talking about. It says, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. How has the enemy been devouring you lately? 
How has he been attacking you this month, this week, this morning? Maybe it's an addiction that he just over and over again, you're never going to get this. You're never going to be free from this. This is your destiny. How is the enemy attacking you? Maybe maybe it's a a, a relationship that, that is just eating you alive inside. Maybe it's uh, some depression and anxiety and fear of the future, but the enemy just keeps poking those buttons and saying, you're hopeless, you're doomed. How has the enemy been devouring you recently? Whatever's coming to your mind, I want you to keep that in mind as we talk about how to fight through it, how the Bible tells us to fight through those things. Ephesians 6 is our passage for the day. And God is so good to us. He doesn't just tell us that there's a battle out there and says, good luck and give us the boot. No, God tells us there's a battle and then he gives us a solution for how to fight the battle. So we're going to read the whole passage together and then we're going to work through it. It says, starting in verse 10, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, the powers of this dark world, and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand... Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And in addition to this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So this is like the the manual for for spiritual warfare here, right? And how does it begin? It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. It doesn't say, finally, be strong in yourself. It doesn't say, finally, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and, and figure it out on your own. It doesn't say, finally, just muster up the strength. And strive as much as you can to be better. No, it says, finally, be strong in the Lord. Why is that? Well, because Satan and his demons are way stronger than we are. You guys know that? Satan and his demons are way smarter, way more cunning, way more strategic, way more powerful than you or I. Is that... Does that sink in? Like, okay, that's, that's kind of scary, right? Where are we going with this? We can't fight this battle alone. If we are trying to be strong in and of ourselves, we are doomed. It's, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. But it says, be strong in the Lord. Why is that? Well, because Jesus is infinitely stronger than Satan and his demons. And because he is infinitely stronger, because if we are in Christ, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, then we can be stronger when we are relying on him, when we are being strong in God, not in ourselves. You see, I think there's this misconception in the world that, um, that God and Satan, that Jesus and Satan are like uh, on an equal playing field, right? 
Like, like sometimes Jesus wins some battles and sometimes Satan wins some battles and Jesus is frustrated and like having to strain. It's like the, the arm wrestling, right? So like, like Jesus is, is sweating. He's like, oh, we're going we're gonna to get it. And Satan's like, no, no, you're not, brah. That's what we view the spiritual battle as being, right? I, I think that's, that's kind of a, a wide-held uh, belief. Guys, that is borderline blasphemous. Jesus is the infinite, uncreated God of the universe. Uncreated, meaning he is infinitely stronger than Satan and his demons. Satan and his demons are created beings. You think that they have any kind of sway over the almighty, uncreated one? They don't. And so as I was thinking about this, this example here, I was thinking, okay, if that is blasphemous, then what is reality? Okay, what, what, is, what does reality look like? And so I started to think, okay, well, maybe, okay, so Satan is like an ant, like a little, little baby ant. That's a cute little ant, by the way. Satan's not cute, but that ant, that ant's kind of cute. Satan is like an ant, right? You guys, you guys know what ants are, right? Like, you, you've, you've held ants in your hands. Tiny, tiny. Satan is like an ant. And so I started thinking, okay, if Satan's like an ant, then what is a more correct view of Christ in this situation? It's like, okay, what's big and strong? An elephant. This wasn't me, yeah. That's right. An elephant. I was like, okay, maybe an elephant. Maybe that'll do it. Like, okay, elephants are huge, and they'll step on the ant, and the ant's crush. I was like, no, that, that's not enough. That's not enough. And so, okay, what's, what's stronger than an elephant? What's, what's the most powerful thing that I know? It's like, like a, a nuclear bomb. Okay, so, so Jesus is like, he has the strength of a nuclear bomb against an ant. Like, you, you imagine a nuclear bomb coming against an ant. The ant has no chance. Like, no chance whatsoever. The ant is incinerated in an instant. It has no defense against that. So I thought that was a good idea. And then I was thinking, no, that, that's not enough. That, that, that's not enough to, to view Christ as a nuclear bomb and Satan as, as an ant is not magnifying to Jesus enough. It's not glorifying to Jesus enough. It's not accurate, accurate enough to who Christ is. And so I started to really think outside of the box. Okay, what's the most powerful thing that I know? Okay, the big ball of fire in the sky. Yeah, the sun. Look at the sun. You guys know the sun, right? Like the... The, the big shiny thing in the sky. The sun, that thing that gives us heat as we walk outside, is like a gajillion miles away, and yet it burns our skin so much that, that I become like a lobster when I'm out inside of it. That giant ball of fire in the sky, you guys realize how big it is? Like to us, it's, it's like that big in the sky, right? Do you realize how big the sun is? The sun, our sun in our solar system, which is one of the smaller suns in the universe, our sun can fit one million Earths inside of it. One million Earths. You think the Earth is big? Like, you think it takes you a long time to walk from here to Conroe? It does. It does. The Earth is big. The sun can fit one million million earths inside of it 
And so I started to research, okay, what, what kind of power are we talking here? What kind of magnitude of strength are we talking within the sun? So I started comparing it to what I knew to be the strongest thing in the world, the nuclear bomb. So I was like, okay, how many nuclear bombs is the sun? That was a weird question, but I asked Google, and it answered. You guys have a guess? Every second, every second, the power that the sun puts off is like 100 billion, with a B, nuclear bombs. Every second, it's like a 100 billion nuclear bombs are going off every second in space. That is the power of the sun that our God created, that Christ, the infinite creator, spoke out of his mouth and it came into existence like it was nothing and it wasn't hard for him at all. He didn't break a sweat. He didn't have to strain that is the power of Christ. But, but even, uh, I want you to recognize, even the power of the sun compared to an ant is infinitely smaller than the power of Christ compared to Satan. Infinitely smaller. I, I don't know how to get a, a bigger, more powerful thing into my brain to compare it to an ant. But it is way more than I can even think about. And so when you think that, that the enemy has a foothold in your life and that God is helpless to save you, you are wrong. Praise God we're wrong when we think that. If there is a way that the enemy is, is coming into your life and stealing and killing and destroying your world, you serve the infinite creator of the universe, the one that spoke the sun into existence, the one that, that spoke the sun that has 100 billion nuclear bombs going off every second. And he created angels. He created demons. They are infinitely smaller, infinitely less powerful than he is. And so it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. We are only strong because we have the infinite king of the universe living inside of us. If you have received Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, then you have the infinite one dwelling inside of you, fighting for you. We cannot be strong on our own. We are helpless on our own. But with Christ, we have the, the source of infinite strength and power, never-ending strength. So it continues and says, put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. We're strong in God by putting on his armor. It's a spiritual battle. If we try to fight a spiritual battle with the, the worldly weapons, we are going to fail. And so we have to look at what God says are these spiritual weapons to war this spiritual battle. So it says, put on the armor of God. It's an active thing. You don't just get out of the bed in the morning and your, your clothes are on and your, your hair and your makeup are done. For, hopefully that's just girls, but you're, everything is done and you're just put together. It doesn't just happen like that, right? Like it takes effort. Some of you spend hours in front of the mirror getting, getting stuff on or whatever. I don't know. We have to put on the armor of God just like we put on our, our clothes and get ready for the day. If we don't, then we can't stand against the attacks of the enemy. 
Why? Well, because it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Guys, it reminds me of, of a couple weeks ago, we were here at the upper room prayer night. And we all came in ready to worship and pray, but there was just like this heavy air in, in the place, like heaviness on our hearts, and I don't know really how to describe it, but it was just really hard to engage in worship and in prayer. And so we kept trying to like, okay, I'm just going to force myself to, to worship God, I'm going to force myself to pray, and, and it was not working really well. And so my wife gets up, and she's walking around, and she's praying, and, and she looks over at us, and we're sitting there, and she has this kind of mini vision where she sees a demon going from person to person, whispering lies. What lie do they need to hear? What lie do they need to hear? What lie do they need to hear? As it, it was not just we were tired or we had bad pizza that night. There was a spiritual battle going on because Satan hates prayer. Satan hates when we engage with the heart of our creator because that's where our freedom is found. And so we, we just kind of suspended our agenda for the night, and we said, okay, if, if there's demons that are, that are ruining this for us, let's just fight back. And so we separated, and we prayed for each other, and the amount of freedom that we experienced after that was night and day difference, because we had taken time to fight the battle. It goes on to say, therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you can stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Guys, without spiritual armor we are helpless so many of us go through our day and this this is me included at times so many of us go through our day with with like fake armor on it's almost like uh, show me cardboard armor man cardboard man can you imagine okay like have you seen braveheart or lord of the rings can you imagine this guy going into battle like charging forward with his flimsy cardboard sword he would be dead in an instant because he has fake armor on. It does nothing to protect him. Guys, so often we go through life with, with fake cardboard spiritual armor. We think that, that the busyness of life will protect us. Like if I can just stay busy enough and not have to think about my problems, then I'll be okay. Or we think that maybe like a, a relationship with a boy or a girl, like if I can be distracted enough by this relationship that I won't have to think about all, all, all my pain and all, all the heartache and all the temptation I feel. We go through life trying to, to put on this fake armor so, so we feel like we're doing something to protect ourselves, but really we're leaving ourselves vulnerable to attack. So if we want real armor, what does the Bible says we have to do? It says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So how do we stand firm? We put on God's armor. So show me my Roman man. So the context, Paul was writing this letter with Roman soldiers walking around them day and night. And so when he's thinking about all of the armor of God that, that we're putting on, imagine this Roman soldier, because that's what Paul was looking at when he was writing this. And so we have to daily put on our armor. Armor does us no good unless we put it on. 
Like you can't say oh, in the middle of the battle, hey, wait, don't stab me in the face because I have armor in my closet at home. It doesn't work like that. A sword does you no good unless you pick it up and use it. If you're in the middle of the battle and you have the sword at your side but you don't use it, you are defenseless. You're going to die so fast. You watch any kind of war movie, the, the person that dies the quickest is the one without the weapon oftentimes. If we're not picking up the weapons that God has given us and using them, then we are hurting ourselves. We are setting ourselves up for pain and heartache. I'm not going to go through each of the different aspects of the armor. I'm going to focus in on a couple. But on your own time this week, study the different aspects of the armor. The belt of, of truth. Like if, you're, if your life is not founded on truth, if you don't love truth, then you are, are setting yourself up for failure. What, what truth are you living by in this world? If you're not living by the truth of God's word, then you are on shaky ground. I want to focus in on, first of all, the shield of faith. It says that with the shield of faith, we can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Why is it that the shield is faith? You ever thought about that? Like the, the metaphor here is that the shield is faith. Why did Paul choose that? Why did God choose to make that connection there? Well, because if we don't believe what God has to say, if we don't believe God's word for what it is, if we don't believe that there is a spiritual battle going on, if we don't believe that we have a responsibility to fight in this battle, then we cannot adequately pick up a shield and defend ourselves. If we're not using the shield of faith, if we're not fighting the attacks of the enemy, deflecting them by faith in God's word, then we are, are getting pelted by arrows day and night. It reminds me of a, a clip that I love where these guys, these soldiers, get completely overwhelmed by arrows. But because they have shields, they make it out okay. But, but pay attention to the ones that, that don't have shields in this scene. Check this out. without the shield, the guy laying on the ground with no armor, he gone. He gone. 
Guys, when we don't put on the armor of God, when we don't pick up our shield of faith when the enemy sends his arrows, his lies our way, we're done for. Did you notice that because they had shields, they were able to withstand the attacks of the enemy, the arrows of the enemy, by laughing at it? Like, is, is this all you got? Guys, when we believe God's word, when we believe the truth of who God is and who he has created us to be, sometimes it is laughable the things that the enemy will, will speak to you, the lies that he will speak to you. Not because you are so much stronger, but because you know who you serve. You know the God that you serve. And so what does this practically look like? It means when the enemy shoots an arrow at you and says, you are worthless. You have two options. You can either believe it, and like, yeah, you're right. Or you can pick up the shield of faith. And the shield of faith responds with the word of God and saying, no, Satan, in the name of Jesus, I, I have seen what God says in his word about me. It says that I am bought with a price, that I am the sheep and he is my shepherd, that he brings good things into my life, that he loves me, that he is with me. You have to pick up the shield of faith and extinguish it. When, when Satan shoots an arrow at you and says, that sin is worth it, that sin will make you happy. You pick up the shield of faith and you say, Satan, no, you're a liar. The truth is that sin is poison and I am going to be so miserable if I give in to that. But you have to pick up the shield and use it. You can't just go with the flow of whatever thoughts blow in your, your mind. You have to test them and you have to use God's word as a weapon. Which leads us into the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Notice that it's the only offensive weapon, right? It's the only weapon that, that we can attack back with is God's word. How does that even work? Well, when you think about Jesus, if you guys know the story, Jesus, before he started his ministry, went into the wilderness, and Satan joined him out in the wilderness to tempt him, to try and get him uh, off track of, of the plan and the, the mission that God had him on. And so Satan and Jesus are in the wilderness, and, and, and Jesus has been fasting, and he's, he's starving, hungry, like for 40 days fasting. And Satan says, hey, if you really are the Son of God, then turn this stone into bread. You can do that, right? Are you really the Son of God? And Jesus doesn't respond by saying, yeah, you're stupid. Or, that, no, I don't like that. Or, okay, that sounds good. How does he respond? He responds with the word of God. He pulls out the sword and he starts fighting back. He says, no, Satan. The Bible says that man should not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So get out of here. Jesus modeled for us what it looks like to pick up our sword and to fight back. But a sword only does us so good if we have it on us, if we, we keep it with us. Jesus in the wilderness wasn't out there like hauling around a backpack full of manuscripts of the Old Testament. Like he, he wasn't, Satan didn't come to him and Jesus was like, hang on, uh, that temptation, let me pull out my manuscript here. Was that Deuteronomy? No, X, Genesis. That's where, it, okay. Is that verse, no? Oh, yeah, 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 no, that's not... 
Jesus didn't have to look around. Why? Because Jesus had hidden God's word in his heart. It helped that he wrote God's word. But he, had, he modeled for us what it means to hide God's word in our heart. If we are not memorizing scripture, then we are leaving ourselves defenseless throughout the day. We have no sword. How often are you going to be attacked with a temptation or with a fear, with an anxiety, and have time to find your Bible and pull it out and, and, and look at That's the second best option, but the first best option is to memorize God's word so that immediately when that thought comes into your brain, you can pull out your sword and you can slash it to pieces. But if you are not daily spending time in God's word, getting to know the creator of the universe, getting to know the God who wrote the Bible in his word, if you're not daily, regularly doing that, then you are robbing yourself of your main weapon. If you wonder why you're having a hard time overcoming sin or you're having a hard time with, uh, with, with bitterness or you're having a hard time being afraid of the future, whatever it is, and you're not spending regular time getting to know God and his word, that may be it. Because you're robbing yourself of your sword. Guys, God has given us the Bible. He's given us this book for so many different reasons, mainly to get to know him, but also as our weapon. If we're not regularly in it, then we don't have a weapon. This passage ends and it says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests, and with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. How many times can we say prayer in a couple sentences? The emphasis here is that if we are not praying, then we, again, are leaving ourselves vulnerable to the enemy's attack. If we don't regularly pray and, and beg God to earnestly help us, then we are missing out on so much of the victory, so much of, of what God wants to do inside of our lives. The main weapons in these verses, God's word and prayer. If you're not regularly in God's word, if you're not regularly praying, then you are robbing yourself of freedom. You're robbing yourself of victory. Guys, and, and I'll be the first to confess, that, that is me at times. There, there are days when I, I go the entire day without even thinking about God's word, without even praying. And I wonder why I'm in such a terrible mood and why I am filled with anxiety or, or rage or whatever. It's because I'm not spending time in God's word. I'm not spending time praying, begging him for his help. Listen to this quote. It says, When the devil sees a man or woman who really believes in prayer, who knows how to pray, and who really does pray, and above all, when he sees the whole church on its face before God in prayer, he trembles as much as he ever did. For he knows that his day in that church or community is at an end. Guys, is that not what you want? Is that not what we want? Not so that we can, we can have all the religious things together and look a certain way, but so that we can experience freedom from the chains of sin, freedom from, from the, the terrible relationships that we get ourselves in, freedom from the things that, that hurt us and keep us from knowing and enjoying our God. 
But guys, we got to become people of the word. We got to, to dive into prayer more and more. If not, then we're going to rob ourselves of our weapons and rob ourselves of our armor. We're going to respond together. I want you to grab the, the brown tags that you have in your pen. I just want you to ask yourself this question. Where are you leaving yourself vulnerable to attack? What armor are you not picking up and using? And then whatever you write down, I want you to flip the card over and just write out your prayer to the Lord. God hears the prayers of his people. If you will just cry out to him with earnestness, you'll cry out to him with all of your heart. He hears your prayers and he moves on your behalf. continue to respond together. We've got ties and communion. We're going to worship together. I feel like the Lord wants to say over you this morning, don't miss out on the freedom that I have in store for you. Don't miss out on all the good things that I want to do in and through you. Give yourself to prayer. Give yourself to God's word. And I guarantee, money back guarantee, that if you will do those things, if you will become a person who is devoted to prayer, if you'll become a person who's devoted to God's word, you will experience freedom and happiness in your life unlike you have ever done before. The ones of you in here that are already doing that, you can attest to that. When we give ourselves wholeheartedly over to God and say, God, you are my creator. You know all of my needs. You know exactly what you have for me. When we do that, then he fills us with, with strength, self-control, happiness, peace. God, your father is saying to you this morning, don't miss out. Don't miss out. Jesus, I beg you, Lord, would you change us? Would you 
Make us even more a people that love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Lord, grow my love for you. Grow my love and devotion for prayer, for worship, for your word. Do that in each and every one of us, God. Lord, forgive me for the ways that I neglect you. God, forgive me for the ways that I, I, I think that you don't matter. I think that, that things of this world matter more than you. Forgive me, oh God. Lord, would you have your way in this student ministry? Would you take us to the higher heights, to the deeper depths of intimacy with you so we can experience all that you have in store for us? God, we don't want what this world can give us. We don't want what, what the power of this world has to offer. Lord, we want you, oh God. So Lord, change us, make us more like you. Change our hearts, oh God. Jesus, give us the grace to daily pick up your armor. We love you. We worship you now. It's in Jesus.